Monarch Nation. Welcome to episode number three of the Leo's House Party podcast. And we have a packed show for you today. We keep going longer and longer each episode, and it's going to be more of the same today as we have three guests, three uh, great, fantastic guests we had on this week. And we'll also talk some more about some of the news that's come down this week from the NCAA. But our three guests today, we'll introduce them and then we'll get to them later. Uh, Scarlett Spager, who's on the women's golf team. She's a junior. She's the class of 22 uh, president. She also is the station manager for WRKC. She does about a million other things and just a, a, a gem and an amazing person to talk to. So we caught up with Scarlett this week. We also got a chance to talk to two alum this week, uh, one from the football program and one from the cross-country program. The first, Dan Lynch, graduate of 2016, uh, and he's now the producer for SiriusXM Pac-12 Today. And he's a lot of fun. We, <laughs> that was a great interview. We talked to him uh, earlier this week. And we also caught up with Jim Britt, uh, class of 2004, who is now uh, the executive director for the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation. And uh, a great guy. Awesome uh, interview with him as well. And, and he'll be our final interview of the of the week. Uh, but two great interviews for both of them. We It was a really enjoy talking to our alums and and as well as Scarlett. So we'll get to them a little bit later. But before we do, we wanted to, you know, just talk about a little bit of the news that came out this week uh, with the NCAA deciding to cancel fall championships for the Division III uh, level. And as sad as that is, and obviously a blow um, to all of our student athletes here at Kings and, and around the Division III level, um, it doesn't take away the opportunity for our student athletes to grow as a team and as individuals, but I wanted to just uh, read the statement that was put out by Division Three, so people that have not read it or might not have heard it um, can get the correct wording from uh, the NCAA. And so it said, the NCAA Division Three championships in the fall sports for 2021 are canceled with the health and safety of division student athletes, coaches, athletic administrators, and communities as a priority. The Division Three President's Council made the decision last Wednesday to cancel the championships due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I think there was some speculation that it would possibly be uh, possible to run some fall sport championships in the spring. Uh, that was addressed in the quote by Tori Murdy McClure, the chair of the President's Council, who is the president at Spalding University. Um, she said that Looking at the health and safety challenges to face the fall during the unprecedented time, they made the tough decision to cancel the championships for fall sports in the best interests. Uh, the championship committee reviewed the financial and logistical ramifications of fall championships being conducted in the spring and found it was logistically untenable and financially prohibitive. Um, she goes on a little bit more about uh, the management council coming to the same conclusion, but that's just the gist of the the release, and um, that's that came out on Wednesday evening. And so, obviously, you know, another year, uh, another semester without championships and, and what it really came down to, and you think about it, is it's sad that there will be no NCAA championships awarded in 2020, the whole year. So none in the spring and then none in the fall uh, this year. So, um, you know, a year without championships which is, is pretty crazy to think about. But uh, big picture, it makes sense. And... I think what this does now is it opens up opportunities um, to start game planning for the future for our student athletes with the their well-being and health in, uh, in mind. 
It gives them an opportunity to really game plan their future over the next one, two, three, or four years as to how they want to have their college experience go. And hopefully, you know, as we get a hold on uh, coronavirus, we can go forward uh, with our sports programs whenever it becomes safe to do so, hopefully sooner rather than later. But it won't inhibit us from training, uh, doing small groups, having all the teams out on the fields and in the court and in the pool uh, training to get better. So when championships can come back around in 2021, we're stronger, we're faster, we're mentally more tough, and we can attack these seasons uh, with a, a fervor that we have yet to have. And and it's, it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to finally see sports get back to uh, get back out there once we can. And I can't imagine the <laughs> intensity of the games and how uh, passionate our our fans and our administrators are going to be to get out there and really support the student athletes once it becomes uh, safe to do so. So uh, that's the news that came down this week. Obviously not great news. We're really in some a need for some great news here soon. But right now that's we're kind of in the landscape that we are. So that was one of the big news stories from this week. Another thing I wanted to get to was something the NCAA is putting out called Athletes Using Their Power, or also known as A4. Um, the A4 stands for Address, Activism, Allyship, and Action. So athletes using their power uh, you know, to use their platforms to speak out about injustices in the country, um, to strive for a more inclusive world, and uh, for athletic departments and communities to evaluate their you know, policies, identify change opportunities, and be leaders in fighting against injustice. Um, that came out this week as well. And the key dates are pretty much started on Mondays in August, and we'll go through the rest of the, the month. So by the time you hear this, it will have started yesterday, um, as we did record this a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, but August 9th, Actually, that's a that's a Sunday. So August 9th, addressing difficult conversations. August 16th, activism for the student athlete. Uh, August 23rd, allyship best practices. And then on the 30th of August, action sustainability. Sessions will take place at 6 p.m. and run for 90 minutes on Sundays throughout the month of August, as I said. Each topic will be led by subject matter experts and practitioners. And uh, student athletes uh, are able to uh, register uh the Monday prior to each session in the uh, program schedule, which is on the website at nca.org. You can get to that. Um, people that are eligible are current student athletes competing in collegiate level within the NCAA. doesn't matter, one, two, or three. Each weekly session has 500 spots. And I know our uh, King SAC has been highly involved in this. So uh, once we hear more about it, and we'll keep tabs on that, we'll, we'll continue to check back in. But another great program that the NCAA is running um, to give our student athletes an opportunity to um, participate in activism and getting involved in, in addressing these difficult conversations. So we'll check back in for that. But I think now would be a great time to send it over to our first guest. And I mean, <laughs> this is a person that I was exhausted just reading her intro. And I can't imagine what it's like to have to uh, balance her schedule. Um, but it was amazing to talk to Scarlett Spager, the uh, uh, women's golf member. Uh, she's going into her junior year. Um, but just hearing all the things she has going on 
and ha- hearing her experience so far, Kings, and, and what she really wants to do going into the future was uh, was pretty incredible. So we'll send it over now uh, to women's golf junior Scarlett Spaker here on the Leo's House Party podcast. Well, I hope that our listeners were prepared to be wowed because our next guest doesn't uh, have her hands in a little bit of everything. She literally has two feet in and everything. And uh, so we're excited to have her on. She's a graduate of Old Forge High School, where she is now a mass communications and media studies major here at Kings. Well, she's not on the golf course for the Kings women's golf team. Uh, She's a class of 2022 president, the WRKC station manager. Uh, she's on the Crown newspaper editorial staff. She's also a part of the King's Historical Society and has been part of the Scope layout staff. If that wasn't enough, she's earned the Mass Communications Emerging Leader Award in 2019 and earned the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems Campus News and Best Spot Cover Finalist Honors. Wow. Uh, a warm welcome to the Leo's House Party Podcast, Scarlett Spager. Thank you. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's great. And uh, we're really happy to have you on, Scarlett. So I guess, first of all, you know, how have you been doing since quarantine obviously started? And uh, what have you been up to so far this summer? Um, I've been pretty good. I hope everyone's good in the Monarch community. I think we've been keeping it pretty close, especially on social media. But lately, I've actually taken this time to grow my business a lot more. And it's been pretty successful. I've had more time to work on those projects, as well as other passion projects with school. But really, it's been a lot of focus on that. Yeah, so for people that don't know, outside of school, uh, like you don't have enough going on, you run your own flower shop called The Vintage Hippie, and uh, great name, by the way. Um, So how did you get into the flower game, and like, what are some cool stories that you have from doing that? Yeah, so actually, my origin is pretty weird, but I would get prom bouquets made for all of my school dances, and every single time, it would be horrendously wrong like I swear someone was sabotaging me they were trying and my mom one year was like enough crying you're pretty creative like you're making your own bouquet I'll get the flowers you're doing it so the first one I did literally everyone was hooked they're like I want one I want one so it started with my school and then some neighboring schools and now today I do events and weddings so really my style just kind of evolves to people my age and what they want to see so I'm kind of filling this gap in the floral market that no one ever saw before. So it's really fun. That's awesome. Um, you know, so uh, with with that, you've also um, been the station manager at WRKC. Um, as an aspiring broadcaster, how has that experience been? And, and obviously working with Sue and, and her staff. Yeah, so actually I came into WRKC as a physician assistant major. And I remember it was the first day, not, not the first day of classes, it was like the day, excuse me, the day of orientation, that's like the send off. And my mom was like, why don't you just sign up for the radio? That sounds like fun. And since then, I've been hooked. I learned so much about broadcasting. I realized that that was my true passion. And there is nobody better to learn broadcasting from than Sue Henry. Um, I actually came into the station and we didn't know my family that she ran the station. And I came home and I talked about it after the first day of school. And my family was like, we, we know Sue. And I was like, wow. So um, it was really cool just to have those roots and someone that you can trust so much and someone that has such constructive criticism, but always is going to be there as a friend and a mentor. So WRKC has really shaped my career, Not my career. I'm a junior, but um, shaped my education to what it is today. I give it almost full credit. 
Yes, he was amazing. Um, you know, she's one of the first person that I met when I got to campus and uh, just someone amazing to learn from and a uh, phenomenal person in, in this field. So you're on the uh, women's golf team here at Kings and, you know, how long have you been golfing and, you know, what about the sport got you interested in playing and how has that experience been? Um, I remember my dad taught me, I actually, is it bad? I don't even know how old I was. I feel like I was a bit before middle school, but I loved it. I really got into it because, I mean, I played team sports before, but I feel like golf, it's so challenging. You're really playing against yourself. And then when I went on to the middle school um, team at Old Forge, the community was amazing. It was definitely way more boys than girls. So it challenged me a little bit in the social aspect, but um, golf, I've always seen as a super community sport because it's so like mentally wearing on you sometimes, because again, it's you versus you. And I just think the friendships that I've made have really shaped me who I am as an athlete and King's college is no exception. I remember looking for schools when I was younger, younger, and basically I wanted to find a school where I could play golf and Kings didn't have a golf team. So just for that surprise and that it was in the works and then it finally came to fruition, kind of made me realize that Kings is the right place as well because this thing like didn't exist and then I showed up. I had nothing to do with it, but the fact that it just existed was awesome. So Yeah, so and you got a chance to play on the, you know, kind of play during the first, you know, semester and then unfortunately there wasn't a um uh, spring season, you know, during that fall season, though, uh, you know, what did you get out of that? You know, what was uh, what was it like, you know, kind of learning and meeting some new teammates? And, uh, you know, how excited are you to you know get back onto the course whenever that that ends up being possible? Yeah, so the fall season was fun because the whole time I was like, am I a college athlete? It was kind of like something to struggle with because I've done it at the high school level. We had a good time. We did great. But it was kind of a lot. Um, because I had a lot of friends who like came into college as like D3 athletes and I was hopping in my sophomore year and I just didn't know if it was right. But when I got there, just the environment, our coach, the girls, it was so amazing because I think something that was so unique to golf maybe versus some other King sports was it was really like a trial and error. Like we're all learning right. and just jumping into something new together was so much fun. And just, I remember for, I don't even know how many weeks me and my parents would just say to people like, oh, she's on the inaugural golf team just to be part of something that's new. And I just hit mute because my dad, of course, just walked outside. But um, <laughs> yeah, just to be on something that was so new was really an honor at Kings. And there's a lot of things that I've accomplished and been a part of that really feel like an honor. But to say I was on the first women's golf team was actually, I think it's like one of my favorite accolades at Kings. Well, it's certainly, you know, we're really excited that to add um, women's golf to the, to the repertoire of sports that we have here. And uh, it was pretty great for the first, you know, year, unfortunately we couldn't get that spring season, which is the more, I would say the more competitive part of the year, but uh, hopefully this spring that'll get back out there. So, you know, Obviously, we ran through your your roles in your intro, how many things you do on campus. Um, how do you keep all that balanced? I mean, how do you kind of stay on top of all that stuff while at the same time, you know, having some time to be a college student? Yeah, so um, this actually stems from me being an athlete as a child. I never wanted to pick one thing. My mom always said, like, people wanted me to quit in my family. They're like, look at her. And she said, like, she's having fun. My mom, her favorite memory is 
ripping me out of my cheer uniform and stuffing me into like shin guards and soccer cleats. And she said like, you were happy the entire time. And I think that's life now. And I came to Kings and I was like, okay, this isn't going to be high school. I'm not going to do everything. And it kind of just is who I am as a person. And when I see something, I want to get involved. I don't just think, oh, that's cool and admire from a distance, but it is definitely tough to balance. There are days that are more rewarding and easier than other days, but for the most part, the thing that keeps me going is the people. It's such an amazing campus. And I don't know if I'd be able to do this anywhere else. I mean, I always like joke that if I ended up at any other of my picks, they wouldn't let me do all this. Like someone would stop me. But no, it really, it's just rewarding to be in the community that I'm in and contribute as much as I could of my time. And um, the weekends are pretty good. I mean, that's my time. And yeah, that's it. Get a pizza, you know, hang out. So. Well, there's plenty of good pizza in the area. Obviously, you're from Ford, so it's, you know, that's the pizza capital of, like, the world, you know, self-proclaimed. So, um, you know, Scarlett, when I'm looking at my list of questions, and I just keep having more as you keep talking, and I guess for me, you know, as you look forward to, into your future, you're a junior right now, uh, I mean, where, where would the next step be for you? Obviously, you still have some time, but have you started to think about what direction you want to take uh, after graduation? Yeah, so when I first switched my major, I was news, news, news. But um, in my heart, I've always loved comedy and sitcoms. And my kind of role in life is I feel like I'm the person who makes it happen behind the scenes. Like I'm never the person jumping out in front of the camera. I'm the one making sure everything runs smoothly. And I really want to take the next step in furthering my education. So I'm looking at some graduate schools for production and film in that aspect. But I don't know. We have no clue where this economy is going to take us in the job market. So I think continuing my education might be the best step. But definitely production and just kind of seeing where it takes me. I really love all aspects of the media. So I'm not too picky. So if I end up in news or if I end up in television production, really neither will bother me because I just have so much passion. But I think the next step is looking for some graduate schools. I've already peeked at a few um, with what I know from when I was touring schools in the beginning, because um, now I don't know when I'll be on a campus tour, but hopefully that's the plan. Scarlett, uh, so you said you're, you are a sitcoms fan. So I've been asking people that mention what they're into. So what, what would be a few sitcoms that, or TV shows that you really go to? Um, so I kind of stick to what I watched when I grew up. So my parents raised me on Seinfeld, Saturday Night Live, a variety show, but I really like that good old fashioned comedy and my favorite show, it actually gives you that like secondhand anxiety, but it ends up in such a good laugh is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I since I'm younger, I don't even know how Larry David, I don't even know how you write something that perfect. Like I remember sitting watching even Seinfeld that he um, wrote and produced and thinking, how did they, how did they make that plot? So I love shows that like you're laughing, but your brain is also thinking, how did they do that? That's like so amazing. So all the original Saturday Night Live. Um, I even love Conan O'Brien and this semester me and, um, the theater department chair are actually, and um, one of his other students, we're doing an independent study where we kind of dive into sitcoms and late night television, talk about it, write about it, um, hopefully produce some of our own stuff. So really excited. And that's just like something about Kings that 
I could say, Hey, I like this. And someone could be like, I like that too. Let me teach you more about it. And it's so cool. But yeah, so just all the classics are my favorites. That's awesome. The, uh, you mentioned that I think the good thing about Kings is that it does allow you to really get involved in some things and knowing your professor so well, uh, you know, even an offhand comic can turn into an independent studies, um, you know, something like that. So that's fantastic. Um, so our, Scarlett, last question I have, or maybe the last thing for you is, you know, as we continue with all of this uncertainty right now, what are some encouraging words that you have for your fellow monarchs and what you've been doing just to kind of, you know, stay on top of things and just stay mentally strong? Yeah. So I think what, um, as we talked about, how do I manage things? And it was such a change of pace from caring about all these things to really focusing on myself and my health and my mental health at that same time. So I think as we move forward, it's really time to focus on ourselves a little bit more when we go into the semester. It's really not going to be that easy to be on autopilot. It's not going to be that easy to be a yes man, to just be thinking about yourself because this is a crazy time for everyone. But I think if you don't keep yourself in mind, you're definitely going to have a tougher time. So just you know, practice self-care um, in any way that that applies to you. It could be the smallest thing to the biggest thing. I think taking care of ourselves, checking in with ourselves, checking in with our friends, and just being on such a candid level at this time is so important. And another um, road to take this is activism. I think that we all need to be, while we're caring about ourselves in a pandemic, we need to take this time to rebuild and we need to think and we need to care for our entire community, King's College and beyond, and use our voices for something bigger than ourselves. And I just think if we do that, then we'll all end up in a better place. Well, Scarlett, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, I think, you know, definitely a leader on campus. Uh, it's amazing to have you uh, in our athletics department, on campus, um, in our community as a whole. And, um, you know, we, again, really appreciate you taking the time, uh, to, you know, with your busy schedule. So uh, good luck with everything that you're doing right now. Uh, you know, we're excited to see you guys back on campus here soon. And we'll definitely have to catch back up with you um, you know, here on the podcast, once things kind of get going again. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, big thank you to Scarlett Spager for joining us here on the Leo's House Party podcast. And that's someone that's going to be super successful in life and someone that we are really thrilled to have here on campus. And also great to hear that there's still people watching Seinfeld out there. I mean, one of the best sitcoms of all time. Uh, it seemed like it went for longer, uh, but it was a lot of episodes over, I believe, seven seasons. It might have been nine, but uh, just, I mean, one of the best sitcoms of all time. So it's awesome that she's still watching that and she, that she's a, a big fan of Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. I mean, that's another great show. So uh, so before we went to Scarlet, we were talking about a couple of things we, with the NCAA, and I wanted to talk about something else that they had just put out, and it's... Uh, the board of directors for the NCAA uh, directing schools and conferences to meet specific requirements, but also trying to safeguard student athletes, well-being, scholarships and eligibility. And uh, the board had expressed serious concerns about continuing high levels of coronavirus in the area and infection in many parts of the nation. And the board had determined it to support moving forward with fall championships. But if you couldn't, which they've already announced that they can't, uh, how to help student athletes stay safe while teams still train with strength and conditioning coaches and small groups uh, leading up to team 
activities being bigger. The NCA allowed is allowing for opt out of participation due to concerns with contracting the, the virus. If um, student athletes choose to opt out, the individual's athletics um, commitment to the school, you know, could still be honored and they wouldn't lose a year of eligibility, um, as it says here. Um, the NCAA is also establishing phone numbers and emails to allow college, athletic, uh, college athletes, parents, and others to report alleged failures by the school to keep uh, their student athletes safe. Um, so I think right now the main thing is safety, and our student athletes can expect us to do the most possible to keep each other safe and to keep not just our student athletes, but our, our athletic trainers, our student athletic trainers, um, our administrators and even our professors and, and everyone on campus safe, uh, you know, so that's, that's the main priority. But the NCAA is making sure that student athletes don't feel uh, like there's pressure to compete um, when they get back on campus. And obviously social distancing and physical distancing and masking policies are gonna be in, involved in that. And that's just kind of the new norm for now um, until we figure out a better way to handle things uh, going forward. So. Uh, that was one thing the NCAA had put out. Another thing I mentioned, uh, I didn't talk about earlier, but I wanted to bring up that was funny. And, you know, with the restart of all of our, our sports, our professional sports getting started. So um, you've got, you know, soccer's had just finished. A lot of them had just finished up. Uh, but with basketball's uh, getting going again, Major League Baseball kind of in and out uh, due to the virus outbreaks, but still kind of going and uh, ice hockey as well is with no fans, it allows for there to be more access in terms of microphones and putting cameras different places and uh, some pretty cool views and some pretty cool access um, on the sidelines and in the bench and, and wiring up uh, players. I know that the, the uh, PL, which is the Premier Lacrosse League, had, had mic'd up some players. And that, that obviously gives you a better look or a look into what actually happens on the field at the professional level. But one thing I've noticed, too, is that you kind of catch some stuff you might not want to. And it causes broadcasters to have to possibly cover up for some, let's say, unsavory language that gets caught by those microphones. I think all in all, about 95% of the stuff that's coming out of those is is great. You get to really hear the, con the conversations between referees and players, uh, players for each team, and then the competitiveness between not just uh, players on opposite teams, but players on the bench with their teammates, uh, with their coaches, and it really just shows you, I mean, how much these student, how much these professional athletes at these levels care uh, about winning, and it it's okay for them to get on on each other, and that's called accountability. And I think at that level, accountability is the number one thing, uh, especially when you are playing in two of those or three of those sports now, I believe, uh, for championships. And when there's, you know, rings on the line, I mean, people hold each other accountable and that's how teams that succeed uh, have success. So found that pretty interesting. Uh, some, you know, F-bombs going around here and there. <laughs> You've got the sensor person really like hammering the sensor uh, button to try to keep things uh, at PG, but pretty interesting. Uh, I thought listening to that. So, uh, so now I think we'll go ahead and send it on over to our next guest and, uh, this guy, what a character. I mean, <laughs> we talked for a while. I mean, he kind of went, it, it kind of went going for a while, but uh, a guy that bleeds uh, red and gold. I mean, this guy loves, 
King's College. And he you'll really get that sense through this interview. I mean, he really talks about how much he loves representing Kings uh, out in California. He's out in L.A. working for SiriusXM uh, in the Pac-12 network. And uh, I don't know of many people that really love this school as much as this guy, Dan Lynch, uh, class of 2016 uh, and former Kings football player. So we'll send it on over to uh, Dan Lynch now here on the Leo's House Party podcast. All right. Well, this is an interview that people out there are going to be really excited about. I think, you know, we're joined here by a 2016 Kings graduate from Fanwood, New Jersey. He was a letter winner and starter at tight end for the Monarch football team where he played in just under 30 games from 2012 to 2015. He's a mass communications and media studies major. He had stops at Barstool Radio, Mad Dog Sports Radio, WFAN, CBS Sports Radio New York, and is now the producer of Sirius XM Pac-12 Today, talking college football. Let's welcome to the Leo's House Party podcast, Dan Lynch. Jamie, thank you so much. First off, I love the name of the podcast. Anytime I hear like podcast names or anything like, oh, you want to hear this? It's always about the name and that's amazing. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an honor to be at Leo's house. I mean, this is sick, man. And, and I forgot about all my accolades. So thank you for reminding me and tuning my horn. So I appreciate it, dude. Well, man, we, uh, you know, for someone that's used to talking every day and someone that interviews people for, you know, for the living, I've got to step my game up today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, you know, I appreciate it again. I'd really love to go back and, and talk about kind of from the beginning, you know, your senior year of high school, you're looking for a place to call home. You know, how do you, how do you find King's college? Yeah. So, you know, I didn't find King's college till late in the process. Um, so I, I played football, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and from my sophomore year to senior year, um, I was getting looked at bigger schools. I was getting looked at, you know, a few uh, D1 schools, a couple D2 schools. And unfortunately, my junior year of uh, high school, I tore my ACL. And uh, like every story, you know, everyone, I could have made it to D1, da, 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 but the injury that actually really happened to me. Um, and then, yeah, I went to a couple of football camps after that and I connected with, um, couple coaches who, who went to a couple of the showcases and stuff um and I love the colors that's that's really what like brought me to it. it was just like I saw I remember coach Jim Dreisick I don't think he's with the program anymore but he had this like sick King's College like <laughs> lettering and I was like you know that looks actually pretty good um and then they just stuck on me they recruited me really really well um and I fell in love with the school went on a couple uh visited I I did a couple overnights uh fell in love with the guys fell in love with the team fell in love with coach Nar. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with Wilkes-Barre, man. It, it was a big difference from where I grew up, uh, the New York, New Jersey area. So, um, it was something that was a lot different than me. And I remember my final visit with coach Nar. I said, why should I come here? And he's like, because you're going to become a man. And he literally said that to me and every other coach I talked to recruited me hard, really, really well. And I had some really nice schools, you know, and no one said that to me, and I knew it was the place for me. Wow, that's a, that's an awesome story. You know, you were a, uh, a four-year letter winner for the Monarch football team, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear how that experience really helped prepare you for kind of like post-Kings College life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, everything I do when it comes to my professional life comes back to being a student athlete. Um, I look at myself as a starter for my job. Um, and I approached the same type of style of what I did at practice and what I did to become a four-year starter, a four-year letter guy, uh, at Kings. Um, 
to, to being in my profession. So, like I said, I consider myself a starter. I consider myself a, a guy who doesn't want to lose that job. And I go in, I prep every day, just as this, we would be practicing. Um, you know, I, I check on my things, you know, I do my pre-workout to do all that type of stuff to get ready for, you know, let's just say a, a game is a show. I do that same exact process that athletes do to get ready for their games. Um, and that's only helped me in my career, man. Um, you know, I think a lot of kids uh, who graduate college, um, especially nowadays, you know, with everything going on with the COVID and, you know, my heart goes out to all the 2020 graduates, man. It's, it's, it, there's really nothing anyone can say. Uh, it's just those situations that we're in, but anyone I say who did graduate um, and played four years or just a couple years of, of athletics is the real world is like a game. It's like, it's, you just want to be that guy or that girl who's out on the field and is not getting taken off. Um, we all know those t things that come up, uh, injuries, but it's like how you fight through that and how you get to that point. So I approach every single day, like I'm going into a game day situation. And again, it's really just benefited me. Um, and again, another thing I always like to harp on too, with, with, you know, anyone, not even just athletes or anything like that, but it's a competition out there. There's no, it, no matter what, if you're in Los Angeles or if you're in Wilkes-Barre or if you're in Pittsburgh, it's a competition, no matter where you're going. Um, and I believe that King's college prepares everyone to be um, just as successful and just as uh, you know going into an interview and having the same credentials as a kid who went to Penn State I truly believe that um, and uh, you know a teacher uh, told me this it doesn't matter what it says on the side of the school it really doesn't it matters who you are and King's College creates really good people and we put them out into the world I mean monarchs for life am I right? <laughs> right you know uh, you know Dan you you know, you played with some amazing players when you yeah. were here at, at Kings, you know, just guys off the top of my head, like Dan Kempa, oh, yeah. uh, Ron Garrett, um, Bobby Russell, guys like, you know, that are all timers, um, you know, here in the program. And, you know, I really love to hear uh, maybe some funny stories or maybe some, uh, uh, some of those best times or great times you had that, you know, maybe don't get me or you in trouble. No, no, the, yeah, of course. We always got to keep that in mind. Um, especially Catholic school. I trust me. I learned my lesson a couple of times when I was younger with that. Um, funny story. So uh, at the beginning of each uh, football season, right before uh, when your mother and father drop you off at school, coach Nar has just a players only meeting at night. Mm -hmm. And we do this thing where uh, you stand up and you go, hi, my name is Gary and I'm Gary Polson and I'm from uh, Eastern Pennsylvania and I play defensive line. So it was my freshman year. And, um, you know, I, I'm a big, confident guy. I was one of the bigger, highly recruits coming in. So I'm like, all right, nothing, right? So I stand up and it comes to me and I was like, hi, my name's Dan Lynch. I'm from Fanwood, New Jersey, and I play quarterback and I sit down. What we need to think back is when I was a freshman coming in, I was around 295 pounds, huge guy, like, <laughs> yoked and everyone no one knew what to say coach nar's face was like <laughs> and i stood back up and i was like no i'm just kidding i play defensive line and everyone was like ah, like clapping and stuff like that <laughs> i remember that memory forever it, it, it really set my you know career off you know the personality who i've always been I, I always say that like kids going into college too always be the person that you want to perceive don't be anyone else and i took that risk i took that like 
oh man, either this is going to go one way or this is going to go another way. And it went correct. And it, it, it only went on from there. So yeah, that's probably my, one of my favorite memories that only a lot, only really uh, the, the kids on the team at that time knew about. And it kind of became like a legendary story. Like every year when we come back for camp and be like, oh, what's Lynch going to say this year? You know, <laughs> and it became a good time. So yeah, and I love that exercise. It's it's that that man. Oh, I'm thinking it's, back to so many just funny kids like going up and just oh, it's like one of my favorite memories of all time. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that is because I, I mentioned to uh, Coach Nar and uh, uh, Coach Fultz that you were going to be on, and they're like, "Oh, you're going to have a great time with Dan." <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you know you're in you're in the communications, at, you know, and radio kind of field now, and and obviously you've benefited from the the mass communications and media yeah. studies uh, degree you have. You know, how did that department really? Uh, what did you learn there, and who was ben- You know, who really benefited? Uh, or I guess, who did you benefit from? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what I personally benefited from is not even just the department, just King's College in general, the small class sizes, um, having the attention that I personally needed as a student. Um, and yeah, Dr. Wyland, I mean, he's one of my idols. That man is a media genius when it comes to predicting trends and teaching communication through a way of it's so hard to put it even to words because you have to be in the classes to fully understand it as a communicator but uh someone who believed in me for who i was as dan lynch not as just another number and he knew my personality was quirky i wasn't like most kids in the class i was a little outspoken and he tailored his curriculum towards me and that only helped me go into the other world another uh unbelievable professor who who doesn't get a lot of credit um and you know as an alumni i would love for her to get more credit is sue henry uh sue henry is also another legend legendary broadcaster in northeast pennsylvania she you know i haven't kept in touch with her unfortunately but i'm assuming she's still doing stuff on the air um but when i was at school i mean she she had one of the smoothest radio voices and she ran wrkc and I was the sports director there for two years. And she let me, you know, she was a great first boss to have, um, you know, and, and that's how I approached being the sports director there at the time was this is my first job. How could I handle this? She taught me a really, really cool method. And, you know, things I learned at that WRKC radio station, I still use today on a daily basis where we're putting stuff on for international radio that I learned at WRKC. We have the same exact software. Yes, the board is a lot different. The radio board, it's very old. And hopefully we could get some alumni together to, to get a new one out there. But um, yeah, it's it's really the same tactics, right? And uh, like I said, there's all those skills that I learned in that radio station um, to this day I still use. So Sue Henry. Um, and also like I had really great classmates who were really talented, who really challenged me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was a great experience to have in the four years on the fourth floor of McGowan. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now on Sirius XM. Obviously, you're uh, producing a, a college football show, you know, yeah. obviously being out in Pac-12 country. Um, you know, what are some of the coolest aspects of that gig? And, you know, what are some things that you really like doing on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate. Um, really, what it comes down to is, you know, I, I always say that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the job that I have and and have the career that I have. But 
you know, if you really want to go back further, you know, to this point where I got from the second I graduated Kings until I turned around 25, uh, I had no life. I had no social life. My work was my life. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're in broadcasting, you, when you start out, you are the, this is the, the bottom of the totem pole. You're, you're at the way bottom. So <laughs> you need to just go hard to even get to the bottom, right? And it took me about three years to really just see if this industry was for me. Uh, I wouldn't, I didn't make a lot of money right out of college. Thank God I had really unbelievable parents who supported me and let me stay at home um, mm -hmm. and save the money that I was making, but it was my passion. Um, and then I finally got an opportunity to have my own show that I produced. Um, and it was from midnight to four o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and I did that for a year. Um, and you know, it paid off in dividends, man. It, 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 it was the toughest year of my life. I, I was confused. I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I falling asleep next to, uh, people at Penn station, New York, and I'm waking up and people think I'm homeless and I'm like, no, I'm just tired. And I was like, what is going on? And then, you know, eventually you just keep moving up and up and up, right place, right time. Um, so I started with Mad Dog. Um, uh, I did a little bit of stuff with NFL radio, kept moving up. And then I got an opportunity to work for Barstool Sports uh, for two years. Uh, and another guy who actually graduated from King's College, Ryan Bornazian, uh, he played uh, lacrosse, I believe. Um, uh, he, he ended up working at, at Barstool too. So it was really cool to have two monarchs at, uh, you know, Barstool HQ and we represented really, really well. Had a great time. I have nothing to say. I had nothing but good things to say about those guys over there. Some of them are lifelong friends and unbelievable entertainers. Um, and then another opportunity came up uh, for me to go out to California to work for the PAC 12 network. Um, and it's kind of always been a dream of mine to come out to California and, you know, it was just the right place, right time, like I said before. And I, I striked when the iron was hot. And here I am in beautiful Los Angeles, man. You talked about being out in L.A. And, and also before that, you, you talked about Ryan. We're trying to get Ryan on to talk to him about. Uh, oh, I'll get him on. If you, you don't worry, I'll, I'll hit him up. He's not right. doing anything. Trust yeah, glad, me. See, it's good to have these connections now, Dan. So like having <laughs> you, then you can start. Oh, wait, by the way, by the way, check out this, man. If for the for the listeners out there, he's he's showing a, a King's. Got a custom King's College Cup. That is pretty sweet. That yeah, is pretty man. sweet. It's 2000 graduation. So. Grad year, yeah, your grad year on there. Plus, he's also for our listeners that are listening on Spotify. He's wearing a pretty vintage uh, Kings football pullover. That is, yeah, the Nike. We got the Nike, and then a whole. I got one more thing for you, Jamie. I come with everything. I got a little Kings College trinket for the Christmas oh, tree. Nice. We got it out in California. I mean, we got everything. I got everything Monarch. And, and if you don't think I'm hitting you up for stuff, man, I'm going to send you my address after this. So I'm oh, some, I, oh, we'll definitely. I need some fresh stuff, Jamie. Oh, we'll definitely. We'll get you one of these. This is a. Uh, a oh, yes. So get me one of those. No one has actually seen this. You're the first person to see it. So we'll. Those we'll are nice, you, man. Get one of those out there. So, um, you know, last question for you, Dan. Well, I got two more for you, but this yeah. one, uh, you know, you're living in LA now, Southern Cal, and you mm -hmm. know, you're an East Coast guy. You know, how was that adjustment, and, and how you know, how have you really liked living in California so far? Great question, man. Um, <sighs> Like I said, it was always a dream for me to come out here um, in some capacity. I've been out throughout my life. My my family lives out here. So I always came to California and I fell in love with it. Um, and then, yeah, once the opportunity arrived and I said yes, I was like, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. Um, I personally think it's an easier 
transition to move from the East Coast to uh, the West Coast just because of the mentality that we have. Um, we're a little bit faster. We're a little bit wittier. We're a little bit more forward thinking than people from California. And that's no narc on them or it's not a, a mm-hmm. shot. They're intelligent at all. They're smarter in different ways. Um, so, so as a New Yorker, right? Someone who worked in New York city from the second he left college till when I came out to LA, I was like, I'm already three days ahead of these people because, uh, they are just a little slower. Um, and it took me about three months to really get used to the speed of California and LA, um, and really kind of reduce down to being like, okay, don't be too many days ahead of them because they won't be able to catch up. And then you're already, so you kind of have to mellow out and go intertwine. And that took me about three, three months. Um, also like I came out here, my first week of work was the first week of the season. So they threw me into the fire and I was like, okay, it's either sink or swim right now. Um, and I was like, I'm not trying to make friends with anyone at work. Like we need to get the job done. And we did. And it, uh, it went pretty well, um, for the first season doing it now. Now, obviously I just, I, it's right now supposed to be the busiest time of my, my year. Um, you know, I travel a lot for work I'm supposed to be, I think right now what's today, the fourth, I'm supposed to be coming home from Oregon state. That was supposed to be the last day of our training camp tour. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's another cool part of the job too. Obviously we go to a lot of the big key games around the conference, Mm -hmm. do cool things like, you know, go to, uh, we were in Vegas for the, for the, uh, uh, the PAC 12 men's basketball game, literally supposed to go then COVID just got shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's another cool aspect of the job, but yeah, that's really what we've been up to, man. Yeah. Having lived out in uh, the West coast for a couple of years, I can definitely, it's a little bit more chill, a little bit more mellow. So I kind of know what you mean. Um, you know, I guess, you know, my last question, you know, for, for you, Dan would be any, maybe a story or, or a letter to a, a future monarch or maybe a current monarch, uh, you know, maybe something to take away from this interview or something that uh, you can tell them uh, about Kings and about yeah. your experience. Uh, you know, I would say for any, student right now who is at Kings, um, who is contemplating a lot of things that's going on in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, right now is the time to really work on yourself. Um, you have, you have this absorbent amount of time to figure out who John Doe is to figure out what I want to do with my education. Mm-hmm. What I, what, what money I'm going to be making in order to pay back my loans and what's that going to look like. Um, this is a a time where if you find that out now and you're 20 years old and you have that mentality of someone who's thinking like they're 24 or 25, it's only going to set you up for the future. Um, another thing too, is I would never compare King's college to any other college in the country. The biggest thing I hated when I was at King's college is we would have professors and people above us in the administration who tried to make us think that we were Penn state. We will never be Penn State, ever. We are King's College. We are monarchs. We're not Nittany Lions. Go have fun up there, dude. Like, that's all cool. Like, no, we will never be them. And be proud of where you went to school. Be proud of that you have a King's College education. Because when you, when I didn't believe this when I would go into interviews. People know where King's is. King's College is a very, very respected school in every single category that we cover and give an education to. Mm-hmm. Don't compare, don't do anything online to that because the King's College experience is not like anyone else. And that's why it's one of the best schools in the country. Yeah. 
So don't compare. And really, if you're a student right now and you're listening to this right now, find that five minutes in your day where you're asking questions that will set you up for the next three or four years. Because I wish I did that and I had to figure that out on my own. And I think if I did do those things before that, maybe I wouldn't be making $15 an hour the second I got out of school. Maybe I could have figured out something else, right? But I mean, I have no regrets on that type of stuff, but maybe you could have. So this is your time where you have an opportunity to really clearly look at yourself in the mirror and say, what do I want from King's College? And make it happen. Well, I mean, a huge thanks, Dan. I mean, thanks for t- carving out some time uh, to chat with us. And uh, for those listening, we're really excited for you to do a, a takeover yes. next Thursday, uh, August 13th. So uh, takeover Thursday, Dan Lynch on the uh, Instagram story. So fans should 100% be on the lookout for that. But Dan, yeah. again... So it's much. gonna be a lot of fun, man. I, I got some, sl- I got some tricks up my sleeve, man. I'm gonna show you guys beautiful Los Angeles. It's gonna be a good switch up. I mean, you, it's been really cool. But that's another thing I want to talk about, like how awesome the hockey program is, because you got students up in, like the King's College gospel is being spread right now through sports. Like shout out to Cheryl Ish, Cheryl, you're crushing it. Um, and you know all the coaches out there, Coach Nar, Coach Esterday on the swim team. I see you, homie, and you know I, I, everyone, man. I, I love King's College, man. I can't wait to return one day. Well, Matt, we'll definitely hear that because he's a big listener. He's uh, been listening to this podcast. Definitely <laughs> be all over it. So again, Dan, thanks so much, man. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll ha- we'll have to have you back on the back on the podcast uh, again down the road to uh, check in and stuff. So thanks a lot, Anytime, man. Time, dude. A big thanks to Dan Lynch for joining us here on the Leo's House Party Podcast. And I think what I said before the the intro to Dan about his just passion for the college definitely came through th- uh, through that interview. So thanks so much to Dan for joining us. And fans out there that want to hear more and see more Dan Lynch, um, he'll be on the uh, Takeover Thursday, this upcoming Thursday. So that would be August 13th, I believe. And so make sure to tune in to our Instagram stories uh, to check out Dan Lynch and what he does with the, with Sirius XM Pack 12 today and in and around uh, the Los Angeles area. And he says he's got a lot in store for us, so a lot of expectation out of him. So, again, thanks so much to Dan for joining us. So a couple of topics uh, I wanted to kind of steer away from uh, some of the, the NCAA talk and talk about something that I thought was interesting and maybe not as interesting to some as others, but um, – you know, looking in the NBA, a lot of talk has been coming out lately f- from the NBA about the Rookie of the Year conversation. And uh, I think you've got two main candidates this year and two people that I think most people would agree were the top two candidates in uh, Memphis Grizzlies point guard, John Morant, and uh, the New Orleans Pelicans power forward or small forward or whatever you want to call him, uh, Zion Williamson. And you know Zion missed a, a large chunk of the season, but had some incredible numbers once coming back and he played in 23 games with the Pelicans and was averaging over 22 points a game. He was shooting uh, nearly 60% and uh, over 42% from three land um, and grabbing, you know, nearly six and a half rebounds per game. And that's in limited minutes. So just efficiency numbers that you would not see. And was that enough to kind of make up the, 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 gap with John Morant who had played and started in every game for the Grizzlies this year and he's averaging just under 18 points a game and just over seven assists per game and shooting nearly 50 percent from the field Um, so the the conversation there was interesting to see that uh, you got two talents that are are really going to be superstars in this league 
and where are people leaning? And I think it's gotten closer than people expected it to get it. I still think at this point it's really John Morant's award having just the the bigger you know body of work at this point. So, I mean, playing in 63 games, he's averaging in minutes per game just under 32 minutes a game. So playing the majority of uh, the game for the Grizzlies. And uh, when Zion had been on a minutes restriction when he first came back, but there's no denying the just dynamic skill set of Zion Williamson. How he can dominate a game is pretty incredible just because of his sheer size and speed. And, you know, even him not being in the best of shape was still uh, a sight to see. Um, but I think at this point, John Morant, and, and I think you can't really go wrong with either one. Uh, but John Rand has been just fantastic as a rookie, and I'm excited to see the steps that, that he takes to really um, you know, take the next step. Uh, he reminds me a lot of someone like a Damian Lillard um, who can score, who can really sh- you know, can shoot it. Um, he only shoots 35% from three lane right now, but you really expect that to kind of improve. But just so athletic, can get to the rim, and he's got great core vision as well. And he rebounds the ball well for a point guard. So I'm excited to see what happens with those two. But just a topic I wanted to bring up um, here on the Leo's House Party podcast. The last thing I wanted to talk about today, this week, um, before we get to our next guest uh, and our last guest of the episode, uh, is the UFC. And I know that's not – it is an acquired taste for a lot of uh, a lot of people. Um, but the UFC continued to kind of forge ahead during uh, coronavirus, during quarantine and it really, for a while, was the only game in town. It was the only thing that really went through so many measures to make sure that it could continue uh, going on during COVID-19. It, it even took the measure of buying its own island in Abu Dhabi and um, UAE and building an entire fight island city uh, to pretty much just so that they can continue to uh, compete. And it really, for about two, three months, starting in March and going all the way until about when the uh, Bundesliga restarted, uh, I believe, and that was in late May, was the only thing going on. And so the ratings just really, really improved. And ESPN was showing MMA and UFC on you know Wednesdays and Saturdays pretty routinely every week. So you had eyeballs on the sport, and people started to see just how good these athletes are and how incredible they they train and 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 what they put themselves through uh to support themselves and support their families and um you know there's no shortage of characters in ufc starting from the top down uh but it it is entertaining and and at times uh tough to watch but at times it can be very very exciting and it's something that i wasn't quite into as much when you know, things kind of kind of uh, went into quarantine, but, you know, just out of necessity of watching competition, uh, something I really started to to get into and respect. And it's come a long way from UFC 1 when, um, you know, they were literally taping chain fences together uh, just to put something together in Denver, their first UFC. Um, so, I mean, just the way that they train and um, the precautions that they've taken to keep these fighters safe um, and away from the virus and, and is pretty incredible. So uh, if you are a fight fan or if maybe you're not, you're looking for something new to try, I definitely suggest uh, turning on a UFC 
pay-per-view or UFC uh, fight night on uh, Wednesday or Saturday on ESPN or ESPN Plus. Uh, that's free ads for them. So you're welcome, UFC. So at this time, we'll go ahead and send it on over to our third guest. And um, it's a 2004 graduate of the school and a guy that has, you know, really worked himself up through the ladder. And as someone that has gone through that, a similar path, uh, I can really respect that. And some guy, that, somebody that has worked at the lower levels uh, with the Wilkes-Barre Grant Penguins doing an internship, which led to a job and then parlaying that job into working with an NHL franchise and having a large, large role with that franchise and, you know, seeing him, you know, and having an opportunity to talk with him, uh, he, you really get the sense of his passion for what he does. And, and now he is the executive director of the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation, which, uh, you know, is the kind of community service and uh, community outreach, outreach branch of the, of the franchise. And so he does amazing work. Uh, putting the players in the, the organization in a great light in that community. So it was a pleasure to get a chance to speak with, with our next guest, Jim Britt. And uh, now would be a good time to send it on over to him. So Jim Britt here on the Leo's House Party Podcast. Well, we have another Kings alumni here on the show that we're really excited about. He's a Bucks County native and a Holy Ghost prep product. He graduated from Kings in 2004 with a degree in psychology. He was a three-year letter winner for the Kings cross-country team and also competed for, competed for the Kings club ice hockey team, where he parlayed an internship with the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins into a full-time position for the next five years. Um, after five years with the Baby Pens, he was promoted to the parent club, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and spent 10 years in Pittsburgh as the director of team ops. He has his name on the Stanley Cup twice, which is incredibly cool and now has the uh, the is the executive director of the pittsburgh penguins foundation running nonprofit and community relations arm for the franchise we're so happy to have uh on the leo's house party podcast today jim brett thank you for having me jimmy so jim i guess first of all you know thanks again for joining us this morning during what which i'm sure is a very busy time with the playoffs going on but i guess i'd like to just go back to when you were uh you know a senior in high school, you were looking to find somewhere to go. How did you find your way to Kings? Um, interestingly enough, considering where I am now, I, I came to Kings for the sports medicine program. Uh, I was, I thought I was, I was going to focus on sports medicine. I, I knew that I wanted to work in sports. Wasn't sure what the solution was, uh, but I was drawn. I came from a really small high school. I was drawn to the size and, and comfort of Kings uh, with the, the quality sports medicine program. That was my intent. I uh, only lasted about a year in sports medicine before realizing that that, that wasn't for me. It wasn't a good fit uh, and, and changed majors eventually. But that was what drew me to Kings. So you were a two-sport athlete at Kings. You played club ice hockey and you also ran cross country. You know, how did playing two sports prepare you for a career working in professional sports, especially when you were with the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, where I'm sure you were juggling a ton of things? Yeah, it, um, you know, club hockey at that time was – it was pretty relaxed. We, we were playing a handful of games up at, uh, I know it's not the ice box anymore, but playing a handful of games at the ice box. And, um, but cross country was, was far more involved. Um, you know, and I think the most significant piece that I took from it was, was time management. I was also an RA at Kings. So, uh, learning to juggle all of the responsibilities, planning out my, my weeks and my days, doing everything I needed to do for school on top of, of athletics and practice and races and my RA commitments uh, really helped me develop. But, but the time management for sure was the biggest piece. 
Yeah, so with when you were with the, the Penguins here in Wilkes-Barre, I mean, you were working multiple different positions before settling into that hockey ops position. You know, what about the video and team services side was so appealing to you and, and kind of how did you slide over to that position? Yeah, it started out, um, I was in ticket sales and I was doing a lot of, of group sales focused, especially in, in youth hockey. I grew up as a hockey player uh, and and I was working kind of as a liaison to a lot of the youth hockey organizations, volunteering to coach some teams and, and, and different pieces that way. And there came a time as hockey shifted in technology around 2005, 2006, where every team was having a video coach. That was a, a new technology and, and a new piece for, for hockey coaches. Being a, a, a minor league team, we didn't have a full budget available the way an NHL club would, where they would just go hire another position. So it was really just, well, Jim is is working with the youth hockey teams. There's already some connection there. It makes sense for, for him to, to spend some of his time selling tickets and working in youth hockey and some other time, uh, you know, working on the game film. And then that just became the natural progression. It went from ticket sales and video coordinator to video coordinator and team services because I was already around the team. So handling the scheduling and, and travel booking and those pieces uh, just sort of fit naturally as somebody who was already there alongside the team. Yeah, so I want to ask you quick, just get your opinion. You know, obviously in the last you know four years, they announced hockey here at Kings. And mm -hmm. you know, have you had a chance to kind of keep tabs on how the you know how the program's been growing? And you know, as an alum that was a hockey player, how exciting was it to see finally Kings to get a varsity team? Yeah, yeah, I, I was thrilled, and and I, I have been in touch with some folks there through the department. Actually, Coach Saravalli is also an alum of Holy Ghost Prep, so we've connected a couple times. Um, I I grew up playing with one of his cousins, um, so there there's some mutual connection there. But I, I have done my best to keep tabs on it. They play a, a handful of games out here in Pittsburgh every year against Chatham. Uh, it's always lined up where we have a game the same night to this point, but I'm hoping to get out soon. And then a couple years ago. Uh, they were on their way to a tournament, I think, in Indiana or somewhere and, and stopped out here in Pittsburgh. I was able to give the guys a tour of our dressing room and, and talk to the team a bit. So it's been great. I've been thrilled to, to hear that it's there. I, I wish we had had Division Three hockey when I was there. That would that would have been phenomenal. But um, I'm excited that, that it's there. I've absolutely been keeping tabs. You know, so, Jim, you've been fortunate enough to work for arguably the best NHL franchise of the last 15 years in the NHL in Pittsburgh. You know, what about that franchise has made it so successful and things that, you know, you've taken or seen during your time there that has made it such a spot to be. Yeah, I really uh, appreciate you saying that since there is a Capitals hat hanging right behind you. <laughs> that it means a lot that you would call us the best organization in hockey. Uh, that goes a long way. But, um, you know, it there, there's there's just something about the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the way the way they're run from – uh, Mario Lemieux as our owner, David Morehouse, our team president, that um, our expectation every year in the hockey operations is to win the Stanley Cup. And that's the commitment of the full organization. And that trickles down through everything we do. The, the, we, we've been blessed for the last 35 years in Pittsburgh to have one of, if not the best hockey player in the world on our team throughout that entire stretch. From Mario Lemieux to Yarmir Yager, now to Sidney Crosby and Eddie Malkin. Uh, it's it's that excellence has carried through to the rest of the organization. There, there's an expectation that everyone is is going to be the best at their job, and we're going to treat people the right way. Uh, ownership treats the employees the right way. We treat all of our partners the right way, and uh, it's it's just been a phenomenal place to work. We're treated so well 
um, which then carries into the work that we do. You're, you're motivated to keep doing such a great work. So uh, it's really been a phenomenal place to work. You talk about the people within the organization and obviously being in team ops and now community relations, you interact a lot with those players routinely and then kind of get them out into the community. You know, I'd love to hear some, some great stories you might have about some of the guys on the team doing amazing things within the community that you've been a part of. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so easy. Uh, I had the pleasure of, you know, my first 10, 11 years here in Pittsburgh traveling with the team full time. Mm-hmm. And, and what's really most remarkable about the guys like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who, who are so measured in the media and in, in the public eye and, and so cautious in what they say. And, and they're not always very outspoken and, and very publicly um, seen giving and acting, but it, it's the quiet things that they do behind the scenes. It, it's, you know, we're traveling through a hotel in a, in a different city getting in late at night and they see that little kid standing out on the sidewalk with the jersey in his hand waiting and, and they always make sure that they go and sign the autograph or, or um, I can't tell you how many times we've heard from someone in a different city that there's a, a sick kid who would really love to meet his favorite player and, and those guys quietly behind the scenes make the arrangements, take time out of what is an absurdly busy schedule. Uh, but they always have that 15 or 20 minutes to sit down with a kid and really connect. And uh, it's, it's inspiring and it, it makes you want to help too. So now, now we're um, here in the city, we're, we're making a big push to, to change the face of youth hockey and really invest a lot of time and commitment in growing youth hockey, uh, both for the girls game, for, to get more black athletes playing, given, given everything that's happening in the world right now. Obviously, there's there's a, a need for more diversity in our games. That's a big focus of ours. But uh, the support that we get from the players to be able to do those things is just phenomenal to carry that message. That's a fantastic uh, you know answer there, Jim. Uh, I mean, awesome, awesome thing there. You know, Jim, you've got your name on you know on, I I would say the best trophy in sports. Um, you know, how ma- amazing were those runs in in 2016 and 17? Um, and I'm just curious if you get a chance to drink out of the cup at any point. I did. I, um, it, it's not hyperbole to say it was a dream come true. Um, it, it, uh, it was the reason why I started working in hockey. Like I said, I, I played hockey all my life. Uh, the only thing I ever really dreamed of was winning a Stanley cup. I was lucky enough to do it twice. Um, and it, you hear all the time about, uh, whether it's Fred Shiro at the flyers talking about, uh, we win today and we'll walk together forever. You know, uh, so Tug McGraw, these guys who, who talked about, you know, the, the family that comes out of winning a championship, it's real. Um, the, the year-long battle that comes um, with winning a championship and, and the, the work and time and commitment that everybody puts in with everybody on the same page, um, it's, it doesn't seem like a long time, but that extra two or three months at the end of the year feels like, you know, three years. And, um, to come out on top, finally, it, it felt like finally to me, it was after 11 or 12 years in pro hockey to, to finally win um, is really remarkable. The celebration that comes with that. And, and um, I did get, I, uh, each member of the team is awarded a day with the cup. So I had a day with the cup each year. I got to celebrate and, and um, to be able for someone who played youth hockey, uh, to be able to have that day to celebrate with so many people who gave so much, you know, my parents working extra hours and getting second jobs and driving long hours and spending all of our vacations at hockey tournaments and all of those things that 
you take for granted as a kid growing up, but then being able to come back and, and host them at, at my house with the Stanley cup in my backyard and um, some of my youth hockey coaches and teammates from, from high school and growing up um, to be able to celebrate with all of those guys was really remarkable. And then uh, as special as it was the first year, the second year we got to do it. Uh, the incredible thing about the back to back is that they, so that the cup, when you win, the cup travels around all summer going to see all of the people. And then at the end of the summer, they go and engrave it and put the names on it. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to see your name on it until several months later. Well, the second year when we won, we got to host the cup again, but our names were already on it. So we got to have that celebration. And, you know, my grandmother got to see, I, I'm the sixth Jim Britt in my family mm-hmm. in a line of my father, my grandfather, great grandfather. So my grandmother got to see her husband's name on the Stanley Cup. You know, the, the, the weight that that carried for so much of my family is, is beyond words. It was just remarkable. Wow. Wow. That's an awesome story. Um, Jim, you know, I'd like to, you know, ask when, when you're not at PVG Paints Arena and you're not working, which it seems like you're, you're doing a ton of the time, but what do you do to like just get away from work? And, and what do you do to kind of, you know, enjoy your time uh, when you're not, you know, doing your thing with the Penguins? Yep. I, uh, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so they keep me pretty busy. Benjamin and Samantha spend a lot of time chasing them around. Um, and they're as busy as could be. So we spend a lot of time either, you know, in the parks going for a hike or, or taking them out for a walk, whatever. Teaching Benny just got his first bike. So, you know, all those fun little parenting things you do with the little ones, but, uh, play around a golf, go for a run, you know, the, the normal things, anybody else, we do spend a lot of time here, but between the kids and, and work, I don't get out a whole lot, but, uh, the kids keep us pretty busy. Well, Jim, we, you know, we really appreciate your time today, obviously during a really busy time for you. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on today. I hope the Peng, uh, the pens can kind of fight back here in this series against the Canadians um, for you guys. But again, thanks so much for joining us here on the Leo's house party podcast. And, you know, we'll have to catch up again here real soon. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Jim Brett, class of 2004, for joining us here on the Leo's House Party podcast. Really appreciating for not wearing on me too bad for being a Caps fan and uh, really telling us his story as to how he got to where he is today. And, uh, you know, we recorded that interview on, I believe, Friday. So when you hear this, uh, the Penguins could be knocked out of the playoffs or still going. So I guess we uh, we won't really know until that, until or we might already know. So, um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about before we uh, let everyone go or, uh, and close up this episode was just revisiting that uh, athletes using their power uh, initiative that the NCAA is doing. I, I kind of I, I talked a little bit about it, but I just wanted to make sure that our student athletes and, and people listening understand uh, that it is for student athletes. Also, every Sunday this August at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and those sessions run for 90 minutes, and the virtual program is accessible only to our student athletes. So. Only student athletes are able to register uh, to attend the program meetings. And so that's no coaches or administrators. And uh, it's going to be a place where student athletes really feel like they can take the, take the ball and get it rolling and, uh, you know, have a say in the activism and, and what people are doing to address issues and uh, come together, you know, to change, you know, to change some opportunities or find opportunities to change on our, our campuses and become leaders um, in fighting for social injustices, but also injustices 
um, in a lot of different things. So it could be not just social injustice, but uh, you know other things that uh, we're trying to do to make our campuses a safer and better place. Um, not only here at King's College, but uh, in the entire NCA landscape. So before we uh, before we uh, wrap up this episode again, a big thank you to Scarlett Spager and Dan Lynch and Jim Britt for joining us this week. And we are going to have a monster show next week. Monster show. We've got some big time guests coming on with us. Uh, Dan Dutcher of the Division Three, the the Vice President for Division Three, is going to be joining us, and uh, we're really thrilled to talk to him. Uh, and Dave McHugh from uh, from D3Hoops.com is going to be coming on with us, uh, and really just kind of telling us how he thinks, uh, you know, Division Three basketball will kind of go now. And he's a guy that is tapped into what's going on, and a guy that knows a lot about the division, uh, the Division Three basketball landscape, and a guy that I have had a, uh, you know, just a pleasure to have, you know, an, a nice working relationship with over the years, and, and really respect, and a guy that's very, very respected in uh, Division Three sports. So excited to have Dave on. We also have some other, uh, a couple other guests that. We've got lined up here, and, and we'll, we'll make sure to get them on as well. So uh, a big thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. We hope that you have an awesome, awesome week and continue to battle. And our student-athletes, our students are coming back soon. So, you know, hope that you're getting prepared to see us here in Wilkes-Barre, and we can't wait to have you back on campus. So uh, I, guess, I guess until then, uh, everyone stay safe and go Monarchs, and we'll catch you here soon. Take care, guys. The views and opinions by the host and guests of the Leo House Party Podcast do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions of King's College. The Leo House Party Podcast is produced and presented by the King's College Sports Information Office, and any redistribution or reproduction of content in any form is strictly prohibited without express written consent of King's Athletics. Follow King's Athletics on social media at King's Monarchs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and also visit the online home of Monarch Athletics at King's College Athletics dot com.